is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Chernobyl Diaries. Congratulations. I am here today. Thank you. I'm here today with Christian Muronsky. Minyazavut Chris. And, that could have been the tagline, and Kelly Wand, who has a tagline for Chernobyl Diaries. What do you got, Kelly Wand? Dose for Zambia. <laughs> you just said the same thing that Dingus said. What did he say? I wasn't listening to him. I think the same it's like thing. Diablo's story. I didn't really pay attention. There's been a lot of Russian in this podcast so far. Uh, Let's slow down. Yeah. There's too much going on. <laughs> just like that movie. Right. Oh, slow it down, Oren Pelly. I can't keep track of all this. <laughs> These things I can't glimpse. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Save it for the podcast. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, before we spoil it, we are going to be spoiling Chernobyl Diaries in case you haven't seen it. So, uh, But before we spoil it, Dingus, why don't you give us some non-spoiler, just general information about it. Don't ruin anything that happens in the movie. Yeah, I'll uh, handle that. That'll be Kelly Wan's job. Just give us the basics. All right, well, this week we saw Chernobyl, or as Tom says, Chernobyl Diaries, mm. a 2012 American horror footage movie about some young adults going on an extreme tour in the town of Pripyat. The movie was directed by Bradley Parker and written by Orrin Pelly and Carrie Van Dyke and Shane Van Dyke. The grandfather was not involved. Uh, it's is that, whoa, whoa, whoa. So it's is not that, nepotism. Right. They are not really related to Dick Van Dyke. Is that true, Dingus? Oh, yeah, they are. Are you what? serious? Oh, he's got, we're going to talk about in a minute about who these jerks are, by the way. <laughs> I, I got a thing or two to say about these Van Dyke oh, brothers. Shit. All right, sorry. Go ahead, Dingus. I got a little hot under the collar there. Did you, you have a thing or two to say about a thing or two? <laughs> I agree with Tom. I'm kind of tripping out right now. All, All right. right. So uh, neither neither uh, their gra- their grandfather has nothing to do with this. Neither does their uh, great uncle. Um, it does star Jesse McCartney, Jonathan mm. Sadowski, mm. Devin oh. Kelly, Nathan Phillips. Dmitry Dachenko and Olivia Dudley's cleavage. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for a female name for Kelly Wan to make a noise, and I, I wasn't clear which one of those. Not Radowski, but he was talking to. Uh, he was saying many things that I wasn't sure. Is that a chick? Is that a chick? Is that a chick? And then he finally got to one that was a chick. So uh, that was a little confusing for me. Was Devin Kelly's great uncle involved in the production? <laughs> yes. <laughs> His uh, uncle, also Jonathan Sadowski's uncle. So both of them are involved. Sadowski, right. Also, Jay, uh, Jay Cash stars as Humanoid. <laughs> I got uh, rats mixed up. He's, he gets his radiation. I'm exactly. Well done. Now, I can't wait so, to hear this, um, this next part. Uh, I'm ready for this. Okay, Dingus, hit us with the rating. Chernobyl Diaries is rated R mm. <laughs> for violence, some bloody images, and pervasive language. How can they make up a new category every week? Or does Dingus just make up a new one every week? I, th- I think these were uniform. Like, what, what's the new one this week, Kelly Wand? Uh, what was the second one? Bloody, Some bloody images. Bloody images. Yeah. Oh, you're so, right. That is kind of new. You're like, right. an, it, they don't. No, it, there's not a number attached to it. It could be like between two and nine hundred. 
<laughs> so, and they don't have an R rating in Canada. Up here, it's just rated uh, don't see this. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, Dingus, thank you for that. Uh, Chernobyl Diaries opened. At, wait, so it's not it, it's not Chernobyl? Doesn't that... It's really Chernobyl, like a churn, like a butter it's Sunny and share no bullshit diaries, dairies. I was assuming it was... Uh, oh, I keep saying Chernobyl. It, it, you might you might be right, but I don't know if they ever said the word Chernobyl in it, since the movie is actually the Pripyat Diaries. So I don't know. <laughs> All right. I know it's pronounced diaries. We do have that part right, yeah. Uh, anyway, whatever it is, Chernobyl, Chernobyl, it opened with uh, $8 million dollars. <laughs> Opening weekend, the old eight. That's still too much. Point, oh. <laughs> but it's at number five. It was beat by things uh, like uh, what did it get beat by? Battleship. It was beat really? by Battleship. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let me see. It, it, this weekend went uh, Men in Black Three was number one, then Avengers, right. then Battleship, and there was even something else in front of Chernobyl Diaries. I forget what it was. But yeah, it was way down there. Very disappointing yeah, opening. Uh, but wait to hear this uh, on Metacritic, which rates things by the average rating it's given in reviews that use ratings it's at 31 <laughs> now here's here's the one that gets me though rotten tomatoes gauges it, it just decides whether or not a review is positive and it gives a percentage okay. kind of arbitrary yeah and it gives a percentage based on what percentage of the re reviews are positive so of all the reviews written of chernobyl diaries one out of four is positive it's a 25 percent which i'm like uh, well, it's there. And Battleship was both forties. But here's what gets me: is what, what, who's writing positive reviews of this thing? Oh, what, you mean who twenty five? Yeah, yeah. Who are the twenty five percent of people writing positive reviews? Now, if you go to top critics, it's down to like eighteen. But even then, what eighteen percent of people writing movie reviews don't slam this thing? What the heck is going on? That's that's just. Uh, I don't I, understand how colorblind people, they can't see red or green, but everything we have in society is red and green, like traffic lights and Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like why isn't Dingus driving through traffic lights every day uh, causing havoc in traffic? He is. Colorblind. Oh, right. That's a good point. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I go back to what you're saying about the 20s. Well, that's all I had is that for some mysterious reason, some people did not hate this movie. People who are professional moviegoers. Hmm. I don't know. Twenty's pretty low. I mean, the average person's pretty stupid. Well, actually, I do have a theory. My theory is that the people who there's some people who don't really know horror movies, who aren't into horror, and they don't know any better than to realize that this is a subpar horror movie. You know what? I, we'll save it for the spoiler part of the. They may not even know it's a movie. They may think they're going to watch a diary get read. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I think it is people going. I think the kids will like this. I should yeah. just say what? the kids would like. This. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like people who like horror movies will like this. It's that kind of like sort of no. wishy-washy review where somebody doesn't know any better and they just kind of shrug and throw up their hands and say, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a competent horror movie. Thumbs up. There was a Canadian review of Battleship where the chick goes, oh, the, the stupidity is like a nice frothy wave on the <laughs> she said She made some metaphor. I'll save it for the podcast. That, was that a surfing yeah. metaphor? I don't understand. Ah, she loved Battleship. Like, oh, it doesn't take itself seriously. Ergo, it's brilliant. I'm getting tired of that shit. I'm getting I could tired almost, of that being the sign of genius. In a I could almost understand that about Battleship. I couldn't, I don't, we'll get mm. into Chernobyl Diaries in a second. But first, Kelly Wand, why don't you go ahead and spoil Chernobyl Diaries? Just tell us everything that happens in the movie. Give us a, uh, 
a rundown, if you will. You're right. Why talk about the movie when I can just tell you what happens in the movie? Well, we'll, we'll get into spoil The things I have to say will spoil it for people who haven't seen it. So I'm uh, going to save it till we get to that side of the podcast. So why don't you play us over there with right. a, a, a sort of a, maybe we'll call it a detailing of the plot. Does that work? No, that's stupid. How about this? Chernobyl diuresis. <laughs> Rock and roll. I like that. <sighs> Chernobyl diuresis. Dear Vancouver Diaries, plural. Today, a girl texted me from a movie in which these things happened. Three American 20-somethings are in Europe, although I thought Russia's in Asia. They stick their tongues out and mug their video cameras for a couple minutes to that dumb song before finally the movie decides they're annoying enough without shaky cam, so from here on, it's just footage. Hold the found. Two brothers, one boring and the other a douchebag, meet up in Prague, along with the boring one's blonde girlfriend and her brown-haired friend, who hopes to find distraction from being dumped by her boyfriend by third-wheeling to Europe for two months with a couple in love. The boring guy intends to propose to the blonde chick at some point on this trip. If he does it while they're all eating dinner with violins and shit, that ought to really cheer third wheel up. He keeps the ring on him in a box inside his coat at all times. What a fuckwad. Guess he's not worried about her noticing it when they hug, since his dick's the same shape as the box. Won't it be awkward if she says no and then they gotta fly home together? Been on that date. The douchebag brothers all, man, bro, Prague's awesome. I'm never coming home. The girls here are fucking crazy, yo. Despite this, he mysteriously doesn't have one and wants to hit on the third wheel, which the boring brother disapproves of. He's all, come on, dude. Fucking girls in Europe isn't the point of being on vacation. Let's keep things light. You know, like my marriage proposal. But the third wheel has an eye for douchebags. So after a night carousing on the town, or at least at seedy back alleys where they almost get mugged, douchebag comes up with the ultimate seduction plan take them all in a van owned by his shady shopkeeper friend to an irradiated ghost town to look at an abandoned ferris wheel <laughs> his hookup for this aka the shopkeeper is a russian guy with arms like ham hocks named yuri they shake hands then the door opens and an australian dude with a beard and his blonde chick show up and say that they're going too. he's all hoy name's crikey i'm from melbourne Hi, Crikey. I'm a douchebag named Paul. This is my boring brother, Chris. Oi, Chris, should we introduce our Sheila's here? Nah, our girlfriend's names don't matter. Let's just go. Yuri crams them in the van, and off they drive to Chernobyl, with Yuri technically now the seventh wheel. Spoiler alert, diaries kept throughout this movie? Zero. They drive and drive, although some scary music occasionally tries to help. At one point, the douchebag gets out of the van to examine his choices in life and hit on a urinating deer. But the boring brother turns to the third wheel and goes, Hey, I just want to apologize for my brother last night. His intervening with those street toughs and preventing us all from getting murdered and then raped by saying a bunch of shit in Russian was totally inappropriate. And she's all, Uh, why are you putting a ring on my finger? And he's all, Oh, sorry. They drive up to a guard shack. Whoa, no way. Why is there a guard shack for an abandoned town? One of the chicks goes. <laughs> Tourists, says douchebag sagely. Yuri gets out of the van and talks to one of the guards and points at the kids in the van and then does a zombie walk and makes biting motions and rubs his tummy and shrugs. The guard shakes his head. I think he's saying no, whispers the boring brother grimly. 
Then the other guard walks around the van and stares through the windows at them while scary music plays. Then he does it counterclockwise while the music plays backwards. Then looks confused at Oren Pelly, who's asleep in a chair, being rocked gently by the catfish guys. <laughs> I said it. The van drives a couple feet away to another road blocked by a single tumbleweed. Yuri dislodges it with a piece of beef jerky, and they drive through into the town of Nipple Slip. I guess Chernobyl's just the name of the reactor. Chernobyl's actually kind of a pretty name. I'd totally name a daughter that, or at least if I had twins, a.k.a. a spare. Boring Brother seems to agree, since they stop again so he can get a fucking picture of himself and his blonde chick on a balcony with the nuclear reactor in the background. See, honey, it's like a metaphor for our love. And she's all, oh, you mean toxic and abandoned for 20 years? Douchebag nudges dumped girl and nods suggestively as if to say, that could be us someday if you play your cards right. They drive even more. Hang on, says Yuri, as they putter over a speed bump in the grass we don't get to see. This fan should have seatbelts or something, squeals the boring brother. They all laugh. They get back onto a paved road, and one chick notices she doesn't see birds at that particular moment. They all laugh again. They stop by a creek, so Yuri can play a prank on them by splashing some water around and scream, In Russia, beef jerky eat you! They all try to laugh, but the cracks are finally starting to show. Hey, look, says one of the blonde chicks. They find a mutant piranha under a leaf. It yawns at them. Ha ha, told you you're a pussy. Douchebag giggles at Boring, who nods. They drive on. <laughs> they drive, I write. You listen. Yuri drives into an overgrown studio back lot with a rusty Ferris wheel and some buildings with broken windows. Whoa, dude, you ever seen anything like this before? Boring asks blonde chick, too. She's all, uh, session nine, quarantine, hostel, <laughs> Teristas, the pianist. But never this unscary, no. <laughs> Yuri caresses the rusty metal of the Ferris wheel until his hard-on is visible. They erected this Ferris wheel to celebrate coming of Spring Festival, but because Meltdown Effect Calendar, Spring never happened. <laughs> Douchebag rolls his eyes at this and throws some Russian garbage he was sifting through onto Yuri's foot. When we pan up, a single tear is running down Yuri's cheek. Get it? People older than me. Yuri claims he's been bringing tourists on this rollicking, sensuous, extreme tourist Ferris wheel experience for five years, which has given him lots of time to polish his act. Here's dead dog that starved to death on porch here, he goes. In America, d dead dog go on tour to see porch lying on you? They all wince exhaustedly. Um, are we, like, safe here and stuff? One of the blonde chicks goes. Good question, says Yuri, and pulls out a yellow Fisher-Price toy and holds it near the ground. It crackles disinterestedly for half a second, and then he turns it off. Animal come out, but only at night. Sexy safari extra. <sighs> Sorry. I was just gloomily pondering my literary legacy. For a depressed moment. So anyway, Yuri's all, animal come out, but only at night. Five seconds later, a non-irradiated-looking Kodiak bear charges them, then somehow disappears without a trace, even though they and it were on the second floor. Despite this, they leave the building laughing. Ha-ha, bear charged us. We're awesome. Douchebag points and goes, hey, look out, beef jerky alert, JK. When they get back to the van, it won't start. 
Yuri raises his armrest, opens a glove compartment, pulls out some fishing tackle, a couple rusty trombones, and finally some wires. He looks bummed. Carburetor is glass-nosed, he sighs. They sit in the van for ten hours and do and say nothing till 2 a.m. Uh, says Boring. So, what are we doing again? <laughs> Yuri goes, We wait till morning, then I fix van and we go. Oh, so the van's fixable, says douchebag. See, babe? He unbuttons third wheel's top's third button and begins tape measuring her vagina. I guess something makes a noise because one of the blonde chicks is all, Hey, I heard a baby out there. Is not baby, Yuri says, and pulls out a pistol, gets out, and wanders off away into the dark for no reason at all. <laughs> See, babe, says douchebag. Told you there was no such thing as Russians. One of the blonde chicks is all, uh, we already know there's a Kodiak roaming around, but he goes wandering off in the dark with a twenty-two. Is there even a script for this movie? I thought the characters in the gray had it coming. And Boring's all, blonde two's right. I better wander off, too. He starts to get out, but douchebag's all, I'll come with you. This third whale chick and I are moving way too fast all of a sudden. But Boring's all, no, Paul, you've done enough damage for one day. Now stay in here and think about how else you can fuck shit up for tomorrow. Unlike what I'm about to do. <laughs> he slams the door and wanders off into the dark towards the sounds of Russians screaming and dogs barking and Geiger counters. Oi, maybe you should go too, the Australian guy tells his blonde chick, and she's all, what? Why? A bunch of gunshots ring out. See, babe, says douchebag grimly. Then he leaves too. Oh, I guess I read that wrong. He brings back his limping brother, whose leg has been torn to ribbons. Seem just like the characters. What did that, his blonde chick asks, but Boring's in too much pain to say, so she turns to Oren Pelly and goes, um, we do find out ever, right? Although maybe it would have been cooler to kind of see it firsthand, this not being found footage and all. But Oren Pelly's laughing too hard at some knock-knock joke that the catfish guy is telling him by the craft services table. <laughs> the lovably ill-fated teens sit in the van for another ten hours, and I guess don't say anything else or make any plans or get attacked or eat, drink, piss, fuck, or care. They wander into some buildings and find Yuri getting eaten by mutant cannibals. Understandably, they leave him there, but take his pistol, say it's out of bullets, shoot three bullets through a door, then go back to the van. Boring brothers still hurt too bad to act, so they leave him and his blonde <laughs> chick in the van while the rest go to, quote, find help. Here, take this, douchebag says, giving Boring the pistol. It was really helpful to Yuri. Thanks, says Boring. Wait, where are you going again, and why don't we have cell phones? Look, we're going to go look for spark plugs, says douche, if you know what I mean. And he winks at the third wheel and nudges his brother's leg till it's bleeding again. Spark plug break. They find some dogs in the road, but trick them by going a few feet around them and using humans' <laughs> superior sense of smell. Then they find a car graveyard. And though night's falling fast and they're there to get battery plugs before their friend bleeds to death, since they didn't even put a tourniquet on his wound, they get distracted by the sight of a bus with bullet holes in it. Who would shoot at a bus? screams Blonde Chick, too. They go in the bus and knock shit over, but nothing happens, so they take naps, then hang out a while, then eventually start opening every car hood until they find a Subaru with some wires inside. Douchebag calls Boring on the walkie-talkie and goes, Bro, you're not going to believe this, but we found the car parts! And the brother's all, wow, that is hard to believe compared to irradiated zombie babies. Um, you coming back soon? Pretty sure I'm, like, dying and shit. Yeah, yeah, keep your pants on, says douche. Get it? Because your leg's all, yeah, dude, I get it. So cold. 
After wandering around in circles till nightfall, the douchebag and his mediocre companions bring the cables back. But now the van's gone. Great, <laughs> says douchebag. All right, new plan. Third wheel, you leave the cables on the ground. Blonde chick, too, you stay here while the cables guard you. And the rest of us will head back to the car graveyard to pick out a new van. Any questions? <laughs> yes, crikey. Uh, yeah, real quick. Where's Mashila? She was just here a second ago. Fuck. Okay, look, guys, no more splitting up. Actually, to be honest, I think that's maybe one of the things we've been doing kind of wrong since we got here like 20 hours ago. Let's try to work on that a bit more. And also try to leave this place cleaner than how we found it. Luckily, I'm pretty sure we can't get any stupid. Yes, crikey. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Where am I? Fuck, crikey got grabbed too. Oh, well, can't say we tried. <laughs> he puts his arm around third wheel. Guess it's just you and me now, and the zombies, bears, dogs, and catfish guys. Luckily, we still have this map of Wyoming that Crikey grabbed off that door earlier. Now, let's see. where He moves his hand off the map and points it at the ground. Here. So if we just keep wandering in circles, we should be... Uh, babe, can you turn that Geiger counter down? It's drowning out the sound of those guns shooting me. <laughs> Though third wheel-wise, when it comes to survival, the dump chick's a gold medalist. At least for a few more minutes. What is this place, she asks a couple more times before passing out. She's dying from radiation sickness so fast that it takes only 15 minutes for corn syrup to cover her whole face. But luckily, she exhibits no other symptoms. But still not dying fast enough for the Russian orderlies, so they throw into a dark padded cell filled with mutants that they put in there instead of shooting. As the mutants hungrily swarm her irradiated yet nubile body, Third Wheel's final thought is, Oh well, I still think my breakup with Kenny was for the best. All right, thank you, Kelly Wand. Who was the most screwed-over character in that movie? The most screwed-over, I would have to say, was Yuri. No, he's not. He took money. What do you mean? He took... He was... Oh, uh, I was thinking of the... You know, you're talking about the characters. I was thinking more of the actors. You're you're right. So, (laughs) characters-wise, the most screwed-over... Zoe. You have to be Zoe. Which one is Zoe? Dingus, why do you know their names? And first of all, Chris and Paul, is that... Is there really a Chris? You guys actually remembered their names. I'm impressed. They say Chris's name 700 they, times. Yeah, all Chris? they do is shout names for the whole movie. Chris, else to hear. Yeah, I saw so many movies. No, yeah, I see Chris? So movies where people are shouting someone else's name. I you just, can't. You don't remember. notice that. You just tune it out. I just hear name, <laughs> name. You know, Natalie was the one with longer blonde hair, and her name's longer than Zoe. That's how you tell them apart, because Zoe's Very got good. short name, short hair. Yeah. It's a great mnemonic device. Okay. Oh, yeah, she got cast. So let's see. So which character got most screwed over? Uh, well, we don't know what happened to anyone. I mean, well, I got to pick who, who got rescued and thrown in with the, the zombies anyway. She got most screwed over. Yeah, you? but she she voted to go. See, to me, the most screwed over character is Natalie, the first blonde chick, because she didn't want to go to Chernobyl. Right. She didn't want her friend there. She gets snatched because her boyfriend fucked up his leg being dumb. So she's got to stay with him. Then she gets saved. Then she gets ignored and snatched again. What if it ends up happening to her? I couldn't tell. She's just like laying there dead. Do we know what killed her? No, he hears screaming in the dark after you already heard her screaming in the dark. All right. She gets grabbed Uh, when they fall for the uh, little girl not facing them trick. We never see the face of. That's bullshit. Thanks, Warren Pelly. You, you never see anything in this movie. Never see anything. Dude, <laughs> I was constantly saying, what is never. happening? I couldn't tell what was <laughs> happening in the movie, ever. Not one decent glimpse, and they all die the same way. They just get snatched. It's really boring. Maybe, maybe they die. We don't know. Except Tom for Yuri. Who, Yuri doesn't even get a Y in front of his name. That's that's. <laughs> that's <laughs> they really did shortchange that poor fella. Uh, 
What was uh, yeah? What was Yuri? There's a shot where yeah, there's so many incomprehensible things in this stupid thing. But at one point, Yuri uh, is like. Wiping aside some smoking ash in the in the uh, yeah, yeah, he's holding his hand over coals or something. What was that? I, I think he was holding his hand over coals and figuring out. Oh, somebody just burned a fire here, and and it's like, oh, this guy knows something. Ah, you know but what? Then he, yeah, that makes sense. He kicks it out like, oh, the tourists better not see this campfire. Right. But they right. think a transient's living here. <laughs> oh, that totally ruined the vibe I'm trying to set up. So Yuri actually knew more than he let on. Like he knew there were there were mutant cannibals there, but presumably that they only come out at night. Like Yuri was hip to everything, right? Yeah, I would guess oh. so. But but they were too lazy to follow that through, so they just killed him off rather than have him tell anything. I thought. See, I thought that the two Australians were just there as red shirts, and that yeah. they were just going to be immediately killed off. But no, they stick around. They have the two most boring deaths. Uh, I'm not even clear, yeah, on how the Australian dude, and, and one of them, by the way, was Norwegian, but what, how did how the Australian, what? yeah, she was Viking, remember? Oh, that's right, Ingrid Bolsa, what's her name, Ingrid Bolsa Berdahl. Ingus knows her name. <laughs> Ingus knows she, every she, actor's uh, name in the movie. Well, yeah, but she was, for some reason, she's um, she's the first in the billing, and that's Zoe. Uh, and I don't. I just for some reason her name just sticks in my head because of the the weird line through the O. Her name is in- Ingrid Bolsoverdal, I think, um, and she just gets pulled down the ladder. And I, I don't know what happens to uh, to Nathan Phillips though, but I like that guy. Who's Nathan Phillips? Nathan Phillips is Michael, the the the, the Australian. Who's Michael. Oh, oh, okay. The Australian dude. He had a name. His character had a name. Yeah, Michael. His name was Michael. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, I, and you actually like this, but I didn't like anyone in this. You know, I liked Yuri, but otherwise, I couldn't. These kids couldn't get killed soon enough. I mean, this was just such a grating, horrible, just uncreative, dull, rote horror movie. And I, no, no iconic deaths. When we saw Piranha 3D, Kelly Wan sort of mentioned that that was one thing he was disappointed in. And uh, you know, the least you can do if you're going to make a crappy horror movie is do some kind of cool, interesting kill or just none of that. I, Piranha had some iconic deaths. Uh, I think, didn't you complain, though, about... Apollo 18 didn't. And that's Piranha in space. That's true, yeah. Uh, but certainly none of the none here. I mean, I guess seeing mm-hmm. Ingrid Bolshin, whatever her name is, disappear into the... You could vaguely see, like, bald heads or something around, crowded around her. You don't uh, see any deaths, now that I think about it. Yeah. Well, and you know, when when I got out of this, I, I said to Dingus, I, I thought this was rated PG thirteen. I did. We got out of this, and I was sure that I had just sat through a, an awful PG thirteen horror movie. Why was this rated R? Because it's not a matter of boring. They don't go, oh, it's so boring. <laughs> well, because I mean, that was the thing, Kaiwan. There were no like gruesome deaths. People just left, and yeah. there was one blood trail. People uh, just there... left. That's absolutely <laughs> right. They just left. Yeah, there was no there was no gore really. I mean. Uh, I, I don't understand why this was an R-rated movie. Uh, you know, Dingus, of course, mentioned some bloody images, pervasive language, and uh, when I forgot was what the, the bloody image. Well, the blood trail that Yuri had oh, been dragged Jesus. down, and even then, I and know they that show Yuri's eviscerated or disembodied. What they show some sort of pile of guts. You can't even see what you're looking at. Yeah, but it's like Battle like, L.A. 
Well, and even the blood, I thought, was really, like, dark. Like, like a lot of times, uh, to avoid an R rating, they'll either mute blood or just not make it as lurid, make it dark, just black. So that's one reason during the blood trail, I was like, oh, this is not rated R. They can't get real gruesome with it. But I guess we did see some gutage, didn't we? Yeah. And you but, saw the dude's wound. Maybe that makes it R. I don't know. Well, it's, it's thoroughly incompetent. You can sort of imagine those uh, goofballs on the MPAA sitting around going, you know, you don't really see the blood, but we have to check this box. And, oh, wait, he says fucking twice, so let's do that. Yeah. Haha, ha, they had to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and now, why was it called Chernobyl Diaries? Who was it? I don't know. Who the There's diarist? no diaries. There's no... Oh. Uh, so, I... Uh, I it was not a found footage movie, but not for lack of trying. I, Dingus and I saw this movie on a really big screen. Uh, <laughs> it was called The Immersive Experience, and you pay three extra dollars to see at this theater movies on a really big screen. Early on in this movie, I swear to God, I thought I was going to be sick. I mean, I don't normally get sick at jerky camera work, but geez, a Pete, the cinematographer, I mean, the, the guy, the, the DP on this, the guy holding the camera, the guy shooting this movie was trying his best to make it seem like a found footage movie. I mean, they were running the camera around and doing quick pans and uh, obviously just crazy handheld work. Uh, just to, it was like they thought they were shooting some war documentary or something. I hated the camera work on this thing. If you're going to be a found footage movie, just go ahead and do it. Don't don't go for that cheap look without even having the conceit. Uh, oh, that so pissed me off. You know, it, it's like they weren't even trying. And this movie actually, and as much as I think that found footage is played out at this point, this movie really could have benefited from at least trying to do that. From staying inside the van the whole time, for instance, or whatever. Like buried. And this is a talented cinematographer. This is Martin Sorberg. Who, who is that? I hate him. Well, he's, he does all of Suzanne Beer's stuff. He's Valhalla Rising. Oh, he's, God, no. Oh, Dingus, don't tell me that. Oh, Sorry. Sorry. Dingus. It's, just, it's like we're, we're just not going to bother with the steady cam. You just walk around with the camera, and we'll make an excuse for it later. But they didn't even bother. Hmm. I mean, uh, it felt like watching Chronicle, but without any of the justification that Chronicle tried to do. Yeah, it's well, the, the poor man's Chronicle. Well, the thing is, if you're going <laughs> to do found footage... I never thought I'd say... If, if you're going to do found footage, you, you have an excuse to, like, not show things because maybe the characters don't see them. You right. know, found footage gives you an out to be really coy about what you show and don't show, which, by the way, is one of the reasons I really like a found footage movie called Grave Encounters because it really plays with that concept of, of what you expect from found footage. But, but anyway, so these guys don't even do a found footage movie, but they still withhold showing anything and making any sense of the action and giving us any sort of third-person perspective on the action. We don't get to know what's going on just because it's so, like, lazy and confused and poorly lit and, you know... Is there a giant monster that picks up the van, for instance? Like, what what was that all about? And actually, that even kind of works because we're not there. You know, we see the found footage that they find of the van attack, whatever knocks the van over. That's okay if we don't know about that. But everything else, we should have some sort of third-person omniscience, I, I think, where we see things. And I, uh, it's just, just so frustrating and confusing. Grave Encounters uh, mm -hmm. totally takes full advantage of that. Of, it, of its limitations, too. Yep. Like that yep. callback where you take the pictures and stuff, like, they totally know what they're doing. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, uh, yeah, they, they, and they have great fun with the found footage conceit, and yeah, it's it's a competent horror movie, uh, unlike this silly thing. Yeah, this movie goes okay. We're gonna give you the limitations of found footage, but we're just gonna randomly <laughs> use it as an excuse for bullshit. One of the one of the few things I liked about Silent House, and there wasn't a lot about it, uh, but I, I forgave the idea, and it's not a found footage movie, but. The, the conceit of, of we're doing a one-shot movie um, meant that there was, like, not a lot of establishing shots that would happen. So when she's under a table, you don't know what's happening. And that lent a little bit of tension to it. But like Tom said, there's just no reason for not seeing the stuff here. It's just we don't feel like showing it. Yeah. Yeah, the Silent House is, like, the char- the camera is very much a character in Silent House, and it should be. The camera is very much a character here, and it shouldn't be. There's no excuse for the camera being a character. It's as dumb as the characters. There's no excuse. Exactly. It's as dumb as the characters, and there's no reason for me to realize, oh, now the cameraman, you know, they open a gate, and now the cameraman is running up to the gate from the other side. Oh, and now the cameraman is running along the cars in the junkyard. I I just, oh, I was just so annoyed at that junk. Uh, Was there anything? Um, Okay. Go ahead, Kelly. I want to, it's, oh, he's going to propose marriage to her. That's not a cliche. <laughs> well, there's no good writing. I mean, there's no writing. This thing is Ethics. so, so woefully underwritten. There's nothing oh, here. Oren Pelly just got the idea based on, um, and actually, I don't, I don't know how apocryphal this is, but uh, Oren Pelly got the idea based on this, this hoax that I think I referred to actually a few weeks ago on the podcast, where this woman, uh, where someone posted footage of Pripyat in the area around Chernobyl that supposedly a woman had visited uh, on a motorcycle tour. <laughs> and, and this ran around, this this was passed around on the internet for a while, and eventually it was revealed. Sounds way she, better. Than, well, so, that sounds cool, but it was revealed that she was just a, a model, and she posed with the motorcycle and took photography from tours, because there actually are tours around Pripyat in the Chernobyl area. Uh, so anyway, this woman, uh, this website sort of made the rounds around the internet for a while. It was eventually outed as kind of a hoax, but Oren Pelly got the idea, hey, let's do a, a movie about this. Um and that's that's all that there was. I mean, these characters were just stock horror movie characters. Uh, they're, you know, I don't know what. I guess the fiction behind it is that they're mutants living in Chernobyl, and the Russian, the Ukrainian government now is trying to contain them. That's not uh, a horrible idea. It's just shitty execution. Same as Apollo 18. But you know, uh, that's not. Uh, I guess I, I don't know. What can you do with that, Kelly Wand? Though, well, uh, here. I recently saw a was it found footage? Oh God, yes, it was found footage. There's a found footage movie called Area 406 about an airplane. I love the ones with numbers. Yeah. <laughs> numbers are mysterious. I mean, seriously, yeah, you throw a number in there and you're like, "Ooh, what does that mean?" Taps so, into our fear of counting. <laughs> so, in Area 406, the implication being like maybe that there's 405 other areas like this at least. An airplane. An airplane crashes into a secret government breeding program for velociraptors. And the survivors. Oh, great. Yeah, it's a great concept. And the survivors accept it's, it's utterly incompetent. Uh-huh. And instead, and it's like Chernobyl Diaries, you instead get 90 minutes of, of bad actors improvising. Uh, and that's all the, the script provides, and it's the same with this. I, I guess you're right, Kelly Wan. Maybe you could do something cool with secret mutants hidden in Chernobyl. But there's, they just do nothing. So they, actually, there are a couple of moments where I was like, you know, this could be a cool movie. This should have been a cool movie. 
there could be cool imagery here. There are a couple of shots of them out in the woods, and you see looming, and I imagine all this was CG, looming over the trees, these these uh, sort of Soviet-era apartment buildings in the background, those high-rises. Uh, and it's quiet. You know, there's no activity over there. And there, there could be some cool stuff in an abandoned city. Uh, you could do something, and they, they do nothing with that. The set for this stupid thing is just like one abandoned building and that Ferris wheel. You know, that's yeah, all they do. There's no cool, there's no sense of place, and there's no sense of an abandoned city, by the way. No. They set that up, and Pripyat was abandoned like that. I mean, the, the day after the accident, the, the reactor, they just bust all the people out of there. Uh, they told them, you're going to be gone three days, you know, don't bother packing, and no one ever came back. I mean, it was, it was ab- abruptly emptied out. Uh, and they don't do anything with that. You know, they they just have the iconic Ferris wheel and some random apartment building, and that's it. Um, Are we supposed to give a shit about the bus? Like, oh, the guards got attacked by zombies at the bus, even though there's no bodies of anyone. I guess the idea was that they had a last stand inside the bus. Is that gives what? a shit? Yeah, I know. Why does that matter? <laughs> sort of my reaction. Why, like, I get, like, why would I care where their last stand is in a bus? And if I could. Well, see Kelly one, one of the buildings. No, see Kelly one because the bullets are coming from inside the bus. You see, oh, like when a stranger calls. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Right. I know when he says that. Why didn't? Why isn't it possible? And this is just me disconnecting from the movie and thinking how dumb it is. Why isn't it possible that the bullets were fired into the bus from the other side, and then came out this side? Like, why does he immediately deduce from looking at one side that the bullets were fired from inside the bus rather than fired from the other side of the bus and went? Why through? is that more interesting to him than? people shooting at a bus like, <laughs> oh wait hold on i totally thought i figured this out but no there there was gunfire coming from the bus therefore it can't be what we were all just thinking whatever that was there's some crazy forensics going oh a gun inside that doesn't jibe with these bullet holes it's another discovery he makes it's exciting uh is this night falls night falls twice and on neither occasion is it marked on it? Like, it's just, you, you don't have no idea when it's falling or how long anything takes. Yeah, no sense of place or time, definitely. Yeah, sorry. Well, this, I really thought this is one of those, we've talked about this before, there's some movies that there's no reason they shouldn't be over in 10 minutes. You know, there's <laughs> no reason that anybody should be alive. If there are, in fact, night mutant zombies wandering around Pripyat in the Chernobyl area, there's no reason they shouldn't have killed these people within 10 minutes. It's like that movie, The Reef, where the people fall in the water and the great white shark stalks them for, you know, 90 minutes or whatever. That movie should be over in 10 minutes. This movie should have been over in 10 minutes. Why wasn't this movie over in 10 minutes? Well, what would have happened in 10 minutes then? The zombies come and they, they take them out of the van and they kill them. They just take them right there. What, oh, what else? What else do they daytime. do? They, they can't come out in the daytime. Well, no, no, that's what I mean. But once night They have falls, to find the bus. Once night the falls... Bus. But the zombies have to wait for the radiation to cook them a certain amount. Yeah, radiation and night are totally related. <laughs> you guys should have written this movie. Radiation, it's a scientific explanation for, um, what is it, Chernobyl? <laughs> was, was the radiation science in this movie sound? Was that, is that how I want to watch this with the Russians and just watch them. <laughs> I want to watch this with scientists. <laughs> yeah, I do too. We're scientists in a way because we're on the internet. You know I loved it when he found that map. When he found that map. Yeah, yeah. He got really excited. Oh, map! Now we're safe. Like, it's such a video know. game moment. Pick if up he this knew map. where they are well enough to know from the map, he wouldn't have needed the map. He just grabs it off the wall. Hey! Yeah. We're Great running! News. 
And he doesn't know where... It turns out he, he's a fucking idiot, and he doesn't know where they are. And he's like, wait, uh, hold on, there's a reactor here. And they, they've also walked right to the reactor, which is a huge landmark, like the biggest thing they came to see. And that's when they go, wait, the map's off. Hang on, east, wait. Well, they come to it through underground, you see. They, and then they, they go, were... what is this? Why, we're at Chernobyl, and there's a nuclear reactor. What is this? Can they even see the reactor, though? Like, aren't they blinded by radiation at that point? Yeah, but they've walked... They they know where they are, don't they? So what do they show in this? Like, do you see... What do you see eating Yuri? Anything? No, you can't tell anything that happens in that scene. That's the first time when I was really saying, I don't know what's going on here. They find his disemboweled body, right. and then some things clang around, and then one of them winds up behind a table. And right. then all of a sudden, Third Wheel is looking around going, ah, yeah. and um, somebody's behind a door, and then she gets behind the door somehow because she hears something chewing on something. Right. But nothing is ever shown. You don't. There's nothing shown in this movie. You do see, don't you see, okay, when they go to the one room and lift up a blanket, isn't there a, like a, a limbless dude or there's some dude crawling around on the floor there? What do you see there? The baby? Is it a baby? I don't know. You don't get to see it. At Does one it... point they run through a room and somebody says that's a guard, and I think it's a body hanging upside down, but you don't see that right. either. No, you do see that. You, that actually had a little blood, if I'm not mistaken. You see oh, a, really? Yeah, yeah, there's like a bloody body hanging upside down. Uh, that's one of the, the jump scares that got me. Uh, you see a bear. There you go. Bear scare. You always uh, get scared by dead bodies, I've noticed. I do? Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. Like Ben Gardner? Totally shit your pants. <laughs> oh. I get scared by... character I saw for five seconds is dead. No! <laughs> I get scared by jump scares. And that's the thing, is if this movie that's had only... Like this movie only had jump scares, and you could never see what was actually scaring you for the most part. And it Ever. telegraphed it telegraphed every single jump scare. Yeah. Um, I knew it was coming, so I could like cover my eyes and not look every every single time. Uh, so this movie never got me. Uh, and and the, you know what? Here's another thing. Like like Dingus mentioned before, them inside the van where their breath fogs up the windows. That's a cool device. Like, that's a cool way to make it scary without exactly showing you what's out there. When you see the shape of the dogs jumping, I mean, those are just dogs, whatever. But they could have had, like, scary shapes, like, attacking the van, and that would have been okay to not know what they are because their breath fogs the windows. Like, I was thinking, that's a cool device, and they didn't really do anything with that except not letting us see the dogs clearly, which we later got to see pretty clearly. Uh, we did? Yeah, we saw the dogs chasing them. Dingus had it, had it on the scare, on yeah. the, the fear uh, scale for dogs, where would you say those dogs fell? Uh, they're just a shit. No, they're pretty low because y you see them down the road, like wagging their tails and eating something. <laughs> and like Kelly said, the humans are just like, hey, let's let's just sneak over here with our superior sense of smell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's not as bad as that awesome movie you showed me with the dogs on the airplane thing. So yeah, Breed is a movie in which Michelle Rodriguez fights uh, genetically bred superior uh, army dogs, uh, on a, and these army dogs have taken over a whole island. It's an island of, of genetically bred superior army dogs, and people have to fight them under the leadership of Michelle Rodriguez. A movie called Breed. Those dogs rate at the bottom of the scary dog scale. At the top of the scary dog scale, I don't know, what do you guys say, Cujo? Is Cujo scary? I haven't seen Cujo in forever. Uh, but St. Bernard's can't be scary. Really? What's a scary dog? Uh, Those zombie dogs in Resident Evil are scary. 
No, they're not. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> oh, okay. How about the zombie dogs in I Am Legend? What? The what? The one? No, there's a couple, There's two zombie mastiffs well, that yeah, attack uh, Sam. And Sam starts to turn into one at the end. So, you know, I, I'm going to go with that. I think that's the top of the scary dog scale. So Breed is at the bottom. We'll put I Am uh, Well, Legend the thing, top. though. The, thing's, the thing dog is scary. That's not a real dog, though. Yeah, no, it stops becoming a dog. Uh, once no, it stops becoming annoying. a dog, it's not scary. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I would put these dogs real low on the scary s- scale. They they weren't scary at all. Wait, what was your top one again? Uh, the uh, the I am Legend dog, the CG vampire dog yeah. creature. Uh, see, that's not. Yeah. What well, about what? the one in uh, what you call it, Twilight Zone? There's a dog at what? what the- I don't know. Is there? <laughs> wait, wait. What about the the dog? Man Beast and Body Snatchers, the seven, the southern one. Oh, that's a good one, Kelly Wand. Because huh. it's scary and funny. It's freaky. No, there's nothing funny about that. That's freaky. The People invasion. laughed when I saw it. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> look. He, that Nerv- guy's d- Nervous laughter out of fear. Yeah. It's like the fly came into a different horror movie. Right. Right. Yes, Kelly, we got it. 16 minutes. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Is there anything you guys liked about this crappy movie? The shots of uh, of the buildings in Pripyat over the trees. Let's see. The uh... see, I think there's so much you can do with that, with that abandoned abandoned city thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's actually, you know, there's a game, Dingus. You probably don't know this because you don't know video games very well. But there's a video game called Stalker. Uh, I was so hoping I would hear you say that word tonight. Stalker. What's it an acronym for? Uh, it's actually like like scavenger, to traveler, assault. Like all of them are just Under like general. Dwellers. Yeah, they're like classes. No, the, well, the idea is that that uh, this is based on a, a Russian science fiction story called not Roadside Attraction. That's a Tom Robbins thing. <laughs> Roadside. I love it when you get shit mixed up. It's so. <laughs> well, there's a Russian science fiction Russian story. and Robbins. <laughs> well, it's Same called thing. Roadside Picnic or Roadside Attraction or uh, Attraction Picnic. I think Roadside it's Probably picnic. right. Attraction <laughs> Picnic. <laughs> Stupid enough. But anyway, this Russian novel, this Russian story is about a, a, a zone where your all your desires come true. And uh, Tarkovsky made this movie, Stalker, which is about this zone. That's uh, sort of loosely based on the the science fiction story. So, it's a character wanting that to be that that's their dream that gets to come true. Really? You know, I, I've actually never I haven't read the short story. I don't know the movie. Uh, I know people who love the movie, uh, and I know that short story. the game is loosely based on the movie. But what the game does is it takes this idea of a magical zone and it recasts it because the game was made after the Chernobyl disaster. It recasts it based on this idea of the Chernobyl exclusion zone, which was drawn. It's a thirty mile, thirty kilometer radius from the from Chernobyl, where the government says, you know, you can't go in here. It's actually larger than that now. But there's this idea that, you know, smack dab in the middle of of the Ukraine is this thing called an exclusion zone. So the guys who made Stalker sort of paired that with this idea from the Tarkovsky film, from the novel, and they made this science fiction open world game about the Chernobyl area. so all that is by way of saying that what you were mentioning, Dingus, there's a cool story to be told here. There's a video game that tries to do that and actually does a serviceable job with it. 
but unfortunately, the the movie isn't up to that. I remember thinking when I would play Stalker, like this area is a little more barren than it should be. Like they should have put some more in it. And then in during Chernobyl Diaries, I was thinking that like constantly. Uh, thank you. Well, actually, the area is like not barren. barren. I mean, it's a, it's a forest now. Uh, no, like, I just meant in terms of events in the movie. Like this needs more. Oh, oh, narratively barren. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Barren. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So. Wait, what were you saying that I keep interrupting you to say something? No, that was it. Just that uh, just agreeing with Dingus that there's a lot you could do with that, and that, that it, it was left to a video game to try it because this movie certainly wasn't up to it. Uh, you know so, what? We we're, this is our fault because we made Orin Pelly's career. If you think about it, hmm. our first podcast was PA one, and now look what we've done. I so hate. Yeah, so he he just produced this though. Some guy named Bradley Parker directed it. Is that uh, a- I don't think he's a visual effects dude from other movies. Isn't that right, Dingus? Like, do you know his other credits? Yeah, it's visual effects. He did, actually, it's it's funny you should say this, because, and I didn't know this, he did a TV movie called Lock and Key, which is that, uh, God, that graphic novel you look Joe at. Hill. Well. Oh, Dingus in his comic books. Joe Hill, see? Kelly knows who Joe is. I know who he is. Of course, Jimmy Kelly sons. Yeah. Son of Cujo. But he also he also did uh, Lake Placid and Fight Club. Yeah. He did Lake Placid? He just worked on those. He was in he was in a group called Digital Domain, and he did visual effects on those. Oh, he was a Digital Domain guy. I did not know that. That makes sense. Okay. So he's just another special effects guy who someone, you know, Oren Pelly has said, hey, direct this movie for whatever reason. Uh-huh. I made a movie about a condo in San Diego. Let's combine our efforts <laughs> and make something less than its parts. But Oren Pelly really is. I mean, I, I think we all agreed that Paranormal Activity was pretty brilliant. But since then, you know, I'm the I'm only sure one on this podcast me. who sat through the river. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, didn't Did he produce Apollo 18 or did I just make that up? Mm. I don't think he did. That, I think that was a Spanish production. So there's the river. There's this uh, this horrible Chernobyl Diaries thing. He's, he's actually directing another movie, which I am less and less eager to see, the uh, Area 51 thing. Oh, another number. Another it's number, done, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. It's found footage, and it's teenagers wandering to Area 51, I think. Is it the uh, same characters from this movie? <laughs> <laughs> All a, right, we're back in America. No, it's a prequel, <laughs> Kelly Wand. It's, it's oh. before. It's their first extreme tourism. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Here's the way to do... It's why what, he proposes to her. Here's what I, I think Chernobyl Diaries should have been. Like, it, can you think of what Chernobyl Diaries was trying to do? The, the movie that successfully accomplishes what Chernobyl Diaries was trying to do. Does anything come to mind for you guys? Birdcage? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking The Descent. Ah. Uh. Because the same thing. I was thinking just, the hills have eyes. Isn't there? Nah, I disagree. Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't mean to jump There's radiation. Here. No, no. Isn't there a moment where they wander into an uh, the abandoned town? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, Hills right. Have Eyes though is is um like here's the here's why I bring up Descent. Hills has Hills Have Eyes, the Alexander Aja remake, has actual like good character work. Like you care about the characters, and then you see terrible things happen to them. Like, right. like there, there's an emotional hook in Hills Have Eyes that I don't even think. Uh, Chernobyl Diaries is attempting. And I don't think The Descent, even though it gives you these sort of broad... Like, The Descent doesn't really try it on the level that Hills has eyes. Hills 
have eyes. Well, the descent uh, starts uh, off with a couple who who lost right. a baby, doesn't right. it? Right. The, the descent is giving you a, a sort of a broad outline for a, a single focused protagonist. You know, the woman who's who loses the child in the descent. Uh, you get that detail about her, and then it kind of sits in the background while these people just run around and get terrorized by things that you can't really see. You know, that's the descent is all in the dark. You can't really see much. There's a cool, there's a couple of cool spooky moments with the the night vision and stuff, and you see those bad people. But then what the descent finally comes around and does is it makes it about the conflict between the two characters. You know, the the woman who who's had an mm. affair with her husband, like. After all this, like, running around, you get this one character moment that, that establishes the movie, running around in the dark, getting terrorized by things you can't really see. And then it comes to a moment between the two women uh, where there's a decision made and then the movie's over. Uh, so it, it's just a bunch of just people running and screaming and a bunch of red shirts. Uh, like, it, it, it's what I think you could do with something like Chernobyl Diaries. If you're not going to really write good characters, which Hills Have Eyes did... Uh, if you're just going to have a bunch of them killed, that's fine. Do that. But, you know, have a little hook at the beginning and then come full circle at the end. And that's all the character work you need to do. Like, Descent did the bare minimum, and I think it was effective. Um, it was scary, too. It was like, scary, and it was a lot of monsters. Like, the caves were scary. Yeah, it was spooky. It had some. It relied a lot on jump scares, uh, which I normally hate. Um, mm, it had, had a ton scary. of jump scares, but Kelly's point about the, the sense of place in Descent is absolutely spot on because you're you i mean just like with uh sanctum i guess just the idea of being there is frightening and that could have been true of this but they totally lose that early on right yeah and then you might as well be in a van in a parking lot anywhere (laughs) (laughs) what yeah Yeah, what have you ever just shot this in any parking lot now that you mention it with a ferris wheel you need that iconic ferris wheel because spring's coming you know, I didn't know about the Pripyat, that whole amusement park, until I read up on it. And when, when they, they first got out of the van and there's bumper cars sitting there, I just started giggling. Like, why are there bumper cars there? Dingus, you obviously haven't played Call of Duty. I have not, Greg. Yeah, if you had, you would know that that Ferris wheel is a real thing. Uh, uh, why are you so mad at the Van Dyke brothers, Tom? Oh my God! I'm so glad you mentioned those jerks. So those are those yahoos are the the people who have been providing material for uh, Asylum Entertainment, who's a company that makes ripoffs of big budget movies with huge marketing budgets, and they they piggyback onto those marketing budgets. Like these are the guys who wrote The Day the Earth Stopped, you know, <laughs> which came out around The Day the Earth Stood Still. Asylum does that. They wrote I don't remember they wrote Titanic too, but that was just. You know, whoa, 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 whoa! What happens in that? I haven't seen it. I, I've not Did seen. Do they make it another ship, or is it just they go to the? Well, you know what? I have seen the trailer. I think the idea is yes, they're going to make a another Titanic. And and, <laughs> yeah, and whoops, it hits another iceberg. It's another iceberg. Right. I don't know if it's terrorists or icebergs or, but these these Van Dyke brothers uh, just have a li- a string of credits that are all the, that are it's this junk that Asylum piggybacks onto other marketing budgets. Uh, and that, that just, that's just so creatively bankrupt to me. I mean, I watch plenty of crappy horror movies, and I'm okay with that if there's some sort of, you know, I would rather watch a really bad low-budget horror movie where I know the director's kind of really into what he's doing 
and likes horror movies. I watched something called Madison County recently, which is just a ripoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It had no craft to it. It was terrible. It had no good actors in it. The killer was just a dude in a pig mask. It was stupid. But you could tell that the director was like into horror movies and he's like it, it had this like almost community theater sensibility of by golly let's get together and make a horror movie you know it's into our fear of pork exactly the other white meat yeah, yeah. so i i'm okay with crap like that whereas this 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 sort of cynical just based around marketing stuff that asylum yeah. does i just hate that uh wait so the earth stopped does the earth stop uh, you know what, Kelly Wan, you're going to have to see that and find it out for yourself. Because I remember that being a bummer in Day of the Earth Stood Still. Was it, was that the Earth did not stand still. Yeah. Kelly Wan, it's a, it's a metaphor. What? <laughs> oh, like our love. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one degrees and I'm cold. La, 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 la. One, two, three, uh. Feels like radiation. Blinding. Ugh. Speaking of science, Kelly oh, yeah. One, what do you got for us this week for a three by three? This week I thought it'd be fun, perhaps mistakenly. Uh, no, I love this one. Yeah, I was hope my list is lame, but I still think it's an awesome category, and I look forward to the listeners. Uh, well, what, what is it? Tell us about what it is. It's the three awesomest scientific explanations in a movie. Hmm. Was anything taken off the table? No, because it's all good. It is <laughs> all right. I think. Uh, well, Dingus will be I, uh, he'll be introducing next week's topic, so he'll be starting us off. Dingus, what did you think of this list? Uh, I had a blast with it. Uh, I think my list is fairly bland, but I still loved. I loved the mental exercise of it. Well, you guys were. What's the matter with you guys? You couldn't what? come up with awesome lists. Well, my I think it was an awesome. I, my categories are usually the weakest, but this one was one of my best. But we're not good list makers. Well, Dingus well, is the best list maker. Oh, I loved it. I, I got to watch a couple of movies I haven't seen in a while. I really, I really uh, liked it. But. We know what my list rocks planets, so I'll do the heavy lifting if need be. If you guys rocks just want to. See, I'd be bummed if the planet didn't get rocked. <laughs> well, I'm going to rock planets with my list. If you guys aren't happy with planets. what you came up with, if you have bland lists, I'm going to rock all nine planets, or eight. How many are there? Speaking There's of science. eight and a dwarf planet. Right. I'm going to rock eight and a half planets with my list. Uh, don't want to talk it up too much, but if you guys are going to be down on your lists, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be enthusiastic. Rocking about planets isn't talking it up too much, because that could actually happen if you type really strong words. Tell you on what would be the scientific explanation for that happening? Uh, an extra large typewriter, like the size of the sun. <laughs> Can you work that into a movie script for us? That's kind of the sort of thing I actually do write at work, and then people just stare at me the way the listeners are probably staring at their hands right now. <laughs> why, are they, why are they staring at their hands? Because they're sobbing into them. <laughs> Well, let's cheer anything them up. like me. Yeah, Dingus, I can't see. I can't see science. anything. <laughs> Dingus, cheer up the listeners with your number three pick for an awesome scientific explanation in a movie, and maybe give us a quote. All right, here's a quote from my number three choice. Hmm? Neurons are becoming hyperosmotic. Membrane integrity is improving. They're firing. Oh, God, he's doing Star Wars. <laughs> Wait, that was his Irish guy. Oh, it's got to be clear and present danger with Sean Bean. No, uh, why, would why would neurons becoming hyperosmotic in clear and present danger? For the midichlorians? 
Wait, neurons can't become hyperosmotic. They can. That's they the are. Point. They're becoming hyperosmotic. That's what oh, happens. okay. Well, that, that that can happen. They They're just can't fire. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? Is he doing Jeff Goldblum? Is that what's no, going on? Not no, not Irish Goldblum. Dingus, I don't know. What is this? I have not seen this movie. All right, here's another quote from him. This will help you. Sharks never get cancer or go blind or show any loss of brain activity as they age, unlike some people I know. Deep Blue Sea? Yeah. Uh, wow, is this Stellan Skarsgård who gets to say this stuff? Because a lot of a, what makes some scientific explanation awesome is who is saying it. A lot of times it's the actor. It's a collaboration, like anything great in a movie. It's a collaboration between the screenwriter and the actor. So like when Denise Richards was a scientist in the James Bond movie. Well, thanks for spoiling my number one, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Bullshit. I know. <laughs> no, the the first uh, the first quote is Saffron Bur- Burroughs. Oh, he's uh, as a uh, as they do the uh, the experiment hump. for Samuel Jackson to see if they're going to keep their funding, and and she's talking about the neurons becoming hyperosmotic, and I just like the, uh, the oh Saffron the first I like master girl. her thesis and. Heard you would. The first girl uh, telling them about sharks never getting cancer, going blind, and this is why we're doing all these experiments on them to, to cure Alzheimer's um, because of the the power of sharks. And then this mer- moment where neurons are becoming hyperosmotic. I just love that so much. So the scientific explanation in question is uh, how sharks are, you know, super uh, super good at not getting cancer, and that's how we're going <laughs> to cure Alzheimer's. I guess you've just ruined to distill it down to sharks are super good at not getting cancer. <laughs> now you've gotten it from hyperosmotic. We start. <laughs> All right. Well, I took a slightly different approach. Although, actually, no, I think this would qualify. What I I know I, for runners up, I have some great, like awful, awful scientific explanations that are actually really bad, and they're awesome in a bad way. But what I wanted to do is find scientific explanations that I thought really fit good movies. Like I wanted, I didn't want to just take cheesy movies and and highlight some of the the, the funny awful dialogue. Uh, and so far, Dingus Deep Blue Sea actually doesn't like Deep Blue Sea. Kind of works as a as a good cheesy movie. So like here's just an example. In 2012, I've talked about this before. That awful Roland Emmerich thing. At one point, Dennis Quaid proclaims that that the planet has reached a critical desalination point. <laughs> and I, I love that. Thanks for That's ruining good. my number one, Tom. No, no. Uh, but I I love that. But I hate that movie. Movie. So I didn't want to take awesome things from terrible movies. I wanted to take awesome things from awesome movies. Um, so my number three, uh, I will give you guys the scientific explanation, and I'll be curious. And you guys see if you can give me the movie that it's from. You ready? Oh, awesome. Okay, my number three is Space Sickness. Uh, wait a minute. That sounds familiar. Saturn V, Black Hole. No. Keep going. Please help me out. <laughs> You'll get there eventually. <laughs> I thought Dingus might know this one. You guys don't appreciate this movie like I do, though, so that that might be a big clue. Oh, there. Armageddon. So that's the thing in Armageddon. You can't uh, just, uh, oh God! What? What was your criteria to begin this? Awesome explanations and awesome movies. Awesome movies. Okay. It's, it's really. It's well, see, here's the thing. Armageddon would be a really dull movie if they didn't concoct various obstacles. You know, if it's just about dudes fly to an asteroid and they blow it up. 
That's that's no fun. Nobody wants to watch it. There there has to be a series of obstacles that they overcome along the way, like Peter Stromari blowing up the space station, for instance. You know, that crazy stuff has to happen. So one of the final crazy things that has to happen that they have to get over is Steve Buscemi catches space sickness and shut up. From it's what? not funny from space. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. From from Red it's hard to avoid it. I guess. Space madness. But, but but the reason it's a problem is they've put machine guns on their moon buggies. And so if, I, if Steve Buscemi just gets space sickness, and I think he's, like, wildly firing the machine gun or whatever. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, but it's one of the final obstacles they have to overcome. Awesome. And it's just so completely random. Is, is Steve Buscemi catching space sickness? How come he's yet? the only one who gets it? Because he's like the, he always plays people who get things like the space oh, sickness true. or the wood chipper or you know he always gets some. <laughs> he caught the wood chipper. <laughs> wood, wood yeah. chipper sickness. It was a bad case too. Yeah. <laughs> level three uh, contagion size. All right, so there you go, Armageddon. I finally got Armageddon on a three by three. I'm so happy. I was so nervous when you started this. I was like, oh no, I picked Deep Blue Sea, and Tom's going to pick awesome movies. I did. Yeah. How dare yeah, you? I really did. <laughs> He he also gave an endless speech before that about how awesome the movie is. <laughs> and led off with the greatest film ever. All right, Kelly, what do you have for number? He's got, he's got, he's got criteria in his back pocket if we ever make fun of Armageddon. Not only criteria in my back pocket, but it's better than any scientific explanation you get in Deep Impact. I'll tell you that much. Although that's low-hanging. Hi, bar there, chick. I don't know. <laughs> Kelly, what, what do you have? What's your number three uh, awesome scientific explanation from a movie? Uh, I couldn't remember Altered States well enough. Ooh. I know. Oh, so you didn't pick it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so pretend this one's that, but I remember um, a few months ago, I Am a Teenage Werewolf was on with Michael Landon. Mm-hmm. And the reason he becomes a werewolf is because a scientist tells him he injects him with some shit that he says will help man devolve back to his primitive self, which for some reason is a werewolf instead of an ape. So that's kind of good. You actually, I don't, you, I don't know anyone who's ever actually seen I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Yeah. It, it kind of makes it sound like he lives because he was writing the title. Right? Oh, good point. Spoiler. Right, right. And I'll, if it was I Am a Teenage Werewolf. Well, yeah, I know that gives away that he dies. That's what I meant to say. I got death and life mixed up. Wait, right. the movie is called I Was a Teenage Werewolf? Yeah. Well, that makes it sound like he got better. Yeah, he got better or killed. Oh. Well, wait, he could so say that on his tombstone, like, oh, that's why he's dead. He's or it wet. could be like a Sunset Boulevard thing, like he's narrating it from the afterlife. It also implies he doesn't see 20, because he's teenage. Ah, good point. But Teen Wolf is... <laughs> All right, that's my number three. Da, 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 da. Hey, no, Kelly One, going back to some classic horror films. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, it's a classic. All right. really, they were really what they were doing back then. There was nothing about... Marketing played no role in deciding. Now, are you being facetious? Because I, I... Like, Steve McQueen in The Blob, for instance. Is that a good movie? Should uh, I see that? Mm, no. Okay. It's got the Shyamalan thing where it's... The Blob's allergic to something really... Like, uh... It's allergic to cold. Right. Oh, you know, maybe I have seen it because they drop it in the Arctic and then it says the end and a question mark. Question mark. Yeah. You know what? I guess I have seen The Blob. That's a stupid ending, isn't it? Well, you know what? Maybe is that the ending in the remake with Kevin Dillon? No. Okay. I forget uh, how they beat that one. But uh, 
Yeah. What was I going to say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Classic. And the, and the blob. Wait, wait. Here's why it's not a classic. Steve right. McQueen goes into the freezer just randomly with his girlfriend, and then the blob starts to go in there after him, but then it's all, oh, it's cold, and he retreat. it retreats, and then he's all, oh, yeah, it hates cold. Like, he could have picked any room, and he just got lucky. So, you know, that's kind of a deus ex machina, isn't it? Kelly one, sometimes that's how it works. That's how some of the greatest scientific discoveries are made. Like and everyone went, hey, yeah, like, like lizards are afraid of sunlight. What is? Lizards. Lizards. Where did we see that? Oh, God. Dingus. Oh, God. Dingus, I'd forgotten about Battleship. I was never, it was never going to occupy uh, any uh, more of my cerebral buffer space, and you just crammed it back in there. Thanks, Dingus. Wait, lizards aren't afraid of sunlight. According to Battleship, they are. I know, but why did we believe that? Why did because we go, the guy, okay, this is the guy, <laughs> scientific explanation, Kelly Wand, the guy took his lizard to the beach. He wasn't a scientist, though. He was a guy who was a fucking pussy. And he I took my lizard to the beach. One time. That's that's backstory. That's the only place there's sunlight. He didn't he didn't take it outside at his house. <laughs> In the backyard to a coast. <laughs> but God, that's his right. The same thing. Exactly what you're talking about. It's like he gets lucky and by chance finds it. Like oh, never mind. Sick of talking about that's it. That's science for you. Very Dingus, what did your number two pick for an awesome scientific explanation in a movie? Give us a line. My number two pick has actually an example um, that. Uh, goes right along with the one that you talked about for your number three, although this isn't the scientific explanation I'm talking about. It just has something similar. Okay. So here's, here's, here's a quote from my number two. Oxygenated fluorocarbon emulsion. Whoa. <laughs> All yours are... Chem- yeah. Oxygenated fluorocarbon emulsion. Man, I don't know. That could be from a Transformers movie or something if we're not careful. I don't know, Dingus. What is that? That's how bad right. it is. Here's, here's a better quote. We all breathe liquid for nine months. But oh, God. I uh, yeah. thought about this one. I was thinking about it. That's not science. Yeah, it, it totally is. is. Oh, I love I love the explanation for the fluid breathing system in the abyss. So you breathe, you breathe liquid so that you can't get compressed and the pressure doesn't get you. That actually is. It's not science. It's true. Oh, that's that's right. It's not that's true. true. There's no way that's true. It is. How can we not do it then? How come... They did. They did that. They did it to that poor rat. Like, wouldn't couldn't you not do the abyss these days? Because the humane society wouldn't want you to do that to that rat. Like, didn't that rat actually get held in that fluid and forced to breathe water like it remember like its body remembers? That wasn't the experiment's actually been done. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but by sanctioned scientists who don't have to worry about the humane society tag at the end of their credits. Like the abyss, you couldn't do that these days, right? I don't know. Maybe you could. So James Cameron in Abyss was more like the Marines who would, like, torture nature, and then he became Avatar. <laughs> so I think that there's a there's a, a real-world example of the space sickness Tom is talking about in the Abyss. What? Michael oh, B. Yeah. gets the Benz. Oh, my God. That, yeah, that's, which, by the way, is not what the Benz does to you. <laughs> No, it makes you psychotic and shoot everything. Well, they don't call it the bins. What do they call it? Because it's not there's there's an actual Ocean thing. Sickness. No, there's a thing you can have like nitrogen narcosis where you get like a little drunk when you uh, stay too deep too long. But what do they call what he gets that makes him cut lines in his arm? Do you remember Dingus? I I really don't remember. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I remember. Oh, rats. All right. So, but but your your pick for your number two pick was the. 
breathing liquid stuff in the abyss. And what right, you- and, and them telling uh, them, you know, doing the little Chekhovs, we're going to make the rat breathe so that so that it won't let your lungs, so that your lungs can handle the pressure. Right. Which is, in fact, a real thing. Right. What? I- Have you had that done, then? Me? Why isn't waterboarding healthy, then? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, this is going to be lifted out by right-wingers. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, they'd love it. All right, so let me give you guys uh, the explanation for my number two pick. Ready? You yep. tell me what the movie's from. Micro-changes in air... Ah! Uh, ah! <laughs> uh, Micro-changes in air... So I love to, I hadn't seen this in a while. Uh, I went back to watch, this is the explanation for the motion trackers in Alien. Uh, and it's after the alien has burst out of John Hurt's chest, and they realize they're going to, they got to chase it down before they go back into cryo sleep or whatever it is. Uh, so they're all gathered around the table, and Brett is explaining how he's rigged up these, Harry Dean Stanton is explaining how he's rigged up these cattle prods, and then Ian Holm explains how he's set up this motion tracker. And uh, Sigourney Weaver says, what do they key off of? You know, what makes them work? And I did not remember this, but we've already set up this antagonism between Ash and Ripley, between Ian Holm and Sigourney Weaver, that, of course, figures very prominently into the movie later on. But when she asks that, the look on Ian Holm's face is just, I mean, it's its what you get when you put great actors in a movie. He has he, he sort of rolls his eyes, and his entire subtext is, I can't believe you want me to explain this to you. You're too dumb to understand what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say these words anyway. I mean, he's basically telling her to F off. I just love his delivery, where he's explaining <laughs> micro changes in air density. I just love that. Uh, and then it's later a tip on, off too. How's a tip off to him being a robot? Because he wouldn't be that. Well, annoyed. there's so much. I mean, the when uh, y- you know the showdown they have over the authority in terms of letting uh, John Hurt's character in through the quarantine uh, when he's studying the the dead face hugger. Yeah, there's a lot of great tip offs to that. There's something weird going on with Ash. Um, and you know what? There's a great scientific explanation. Ash is a goddamn robot. That's another great right. one. Uh, but well, I, just, I like the, the biology of the alien is one that I would have chosen, but I like yours. Well, the thing is, it, it yeah, yeah. Like, the biology of the alien is, um, yeah, you know what? That is a good, maybe I'll change my answer. That is a good point, Dingus. Oh. Like, damn. <laughs> well, the thing right. is, I just love the delivery of, you know, I love how that's character development between Ash and Ripley. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it sums up their whole dynamic. It really does. And then later on, and I didn't remember this, uh, when they're hunting down right before the cat scare, there's a scene where a door opens and they're about to walk into it. You only see the dark room and they're about to come through. And as they're coming in, you can barely hear Ripley going, micro changes in air density, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's my number two. Is that a fart joke? <laughs> Kelly Wand. Ah. Uh... <laughs> Kelly yeah. what is your number two awesomest explanation, scientifically uh, speaking, in a movie? My number two is uh, in Night of the Living Dead when um, some dude on the news goes, Yo, there was a space probe from Venus and it exploded in the atmosphere, and now we're, it's making ghouls over Pennsylvania. Now, see, that's my number one, Kelly. And it's not, uh, it's, it's real confused. Like, does it... They say they destroyed the space probe, but did they say that it, like, fell into the atmosphere? No, it exploded in the atmosphere. 
so it actually shouldn't have. Well, I guess it got rain. You got turned into rain by another scientific process called bullshit. <laughs> and then uh, it somehow infected the whole world. Well, it's, the, what I love about that scientific explanation is how uh, it's not clear, first of all. like, And I love how it's delivered in that George Romero, obviously, sh- he shot like a newscaster dude. He shot this really funny sequence, unintentionally so, of... Uh, two scientists and a dude in, a, in an outfit, a military outfit, who's presumably a general, walking down the street where with three reporter characters holding tape recorders, like <laughs> interviewing them. And this is, you know, in a global zombie yeah. apocalypse, this is the this is what George Romero could afford in terms of showing, you know, the news coverage is these six awful actors. Uh, and, and there's this great. Maybe bit. it was a cover up. Uh, well, there's this great bit where the the scientist is saying, "Yeah, we think it's the Venetian probe," and then the general's like, "Now, Carl, we didn't agree on that." <laughs> the scientist is like, "Well, I've made my." I mean, they're they're hashing out this little mini radio drama uh, in front of the three characters playing the news reporters, uh, and they're just walking down the street somewhere. Uh, and this is supposed to be the the big news coverage of the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, so it's very confused. And, you know, George Romero shot this stuff, and we're just seeing it as the characters in the house are seeing it. And he just lets us watch TV for a while. Every now and then he'll cut to something that the characters in the house say. But for the most part, he's just throwing up on the screen this TV broadcast that he made, and he's letting us watch it. Uh, and, you know, it's that little bit where the Washington scientists and the general are talking, and then there's that little bit in the local news station where the guy brings on, you know, the the, the announcer is reading the news, and then he brings on a guy to explain about you should just burn bodies and not worry about funerals. Um, but it's all about, you know, they, they just reference this probe that was sent to Venus and it was destroyed on the way back because they sensed some radiation on it. And that they think maybe that's causing the dead to... Radiation is? Or Venus is? Venusian radiation. So that's what uh, I was going to uh. say for my scientific explanation, see if you could guess the movie. But it's it's radiation from Venus. Yeah. So but does they, that mean Venus is a ghoul planet? Where it's, it's all zombies or something? If there were people there, then they probably would be zombies, yes. As opposed to a dwarf planet. I like that, Kelly. Yeah. See what How do you there? spell Venusian? Uh, Venusian, V-E-N-U-S-I-A-N. Is that right? Why are that's you not, asking? Did you change the S to a T? No, that's Venetian. Uh, uh, in the second, in Dawn of the Dead, yeah, it's the black dude goes, oh, it's because my grandma told me that when hell is full, the dead will walk the earth or something. When there's no more room in hell. Yeah, there's no more room in hell. So that's the new scientific explanation. They decided it's not Venus, it's because hell has a, a, a lack of vacancies. And that's just like uh, Rihanna's grandfather in Venice. I know, I was just going to yeah, say yeah. that. I can't that's believe that. <laughs> Which is my number one, JK. Oh, God, uh-huh. I want to throw up right now. <laughs> But that's great. I mean, that's the thing about George Romero's early zombie movies is they they don't have this, you know, the the science is a little bit of science, a little bit of theology, what have you. It's not that relevant. Let's just get on with the zombies. It's a metaphor. No, it's old people being wise because the old woman told her grandson, hey, yeah, hell's going to be full someday and you're going to have to fight zombies on the news at a mall. So, So you think that's the actual scientific explanation? And 
Also, that's why the old men were already waiting on the battleship in Battleship, because they set their watches by these alien invasions, just like the guy's grandma. Like, oh, we knew it was coming, (laughs) so we're already here. I love the I love this pick because um, I just love I I didn't remember this part about the the Venusian probe radiation and it just reminds me of this it might have been Arthur C Clarke but I'm not sure this uh, short story about Mars dust coming back to Earth and just they, they could the the dust just kept replicating and replicating and I just totally forgot that whole Venusian radiation thing I think you're thinking of Apollo 18 Dingus oh you're right. I think you think an emission to Mars. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, rewatching uh, Night of the Living Dead. God, I love that movie, but the actors are uniformly awful. Oh my God, the acting in that movie is just wretched. Uh, they said they had no script, so they had to improvise everything. Because Ramirez was a fucking. All right, nail well, you know, more windows. But you know it works though. I mean, I don't. I I still think it's a brilliant movie. I don't mind at all that the actors are horrible. Uh, and they do manage. You know, if they were improvising, which I'm not, I'm not sure I buy that because it really does sound like actors trying to deliver lines for the most part. Uh, like they maybe rehearsed their improvs, but there there's no there's not the kind of fumbling around I would expect from bad actors improvising, which you see, for instance, in a lot of found footage horror movies and things like Chernobyl Diaries. Uh, that's that's yeah. absolutely true because at least they have intention for where they're going. Right. They're not wandering <laughs> around the woods and going, "Oh, look, there's the walkie-talkie. Let's go into this cave." It, it, they're making their way towards something. There's motivation involved. Well, exactly. So, Dingus, in in Night of the Living Dead, the, one of the scenes I just watched, it's where the the uh, the black guy has to explain to the young dude. I think his name might have been Tom, even what what they're going to do to to tank up the truck with gasoline, and and then the the Obviously, you can tell it's written that the, the poor kid playing Tom, who is just he's of all the bad actors, he's probably one of the worst ones. You can tell he's been given a speech where he's supposed to explain how they got there. And he's supposed to remember that he saw some, uh, you know, some things in the basement they can use to make Molotov cocktails and the key to the gas pump. Like there's these bits of information he's got to deliver in his speech. And you can just see that poor kid's head working. You can see him trying to remember his lines and trying to get out there. And he's struggling what to do with his hands. And it's just so endearing. Uh, but it's definitely it's definitely scripted stuff. I mean, they might have improvised to come up with some of it, but. Uh, but despite all the bad acting, God, I love that movie. Why'd they give the slowest actor the hardest line? Oh, plenty of everybody. Well, everybody's got tough stuff to do in Night of the Living Dead, uh, except maybe the poor girl who goes catatonic early on. Um, Which one? So Night of the Living Dead begins with a woman and her brother going to see oh, their father's graveyard, and the woman, within ten minutes of the movie, Barbara. just goes... Bar exactly. She just goes catatonic, and she's pretty much out of commission for the rest of the movie. But then uh, the brother gets her. Yep. Spoiler. Mm. Uh, Johnny. Johnny. His, his name is Johnny. She's like, stop it, Johnny. He'll hear you, Johnny. Stop it. If zombies eat the brain, <laughs> don't they run out? Like, doesn't that kind of cut into the zombie population? That, by the way, was introduced by Dan O'Bannon in Return of the Living Dead. I don't think that Brands. was in... Yeah, yeah, the whole brain thing. That was not part of the of Romero's, like, sort of invention. But he and but Romero introduced headshots killing zombies. You know what? I wondered about that, because I don't think that's in Night of the Living Dead. They, they talk about having to burn them. 
Yeah. But Are don't they only... I remember them only getting shot in the head and then falling, and if they didn't get shot in the head, they wouldn't fall. You might be right. You might be right, Kelly Wand. In, in the part that I watched tonight, where they're explaining on the newscast, uh, and then when they hatched their plan to go out and tank up the truck, they're just talking about burning the zombies, and the zombies being afraid of fire. Oh, you know what? I just remembered. That's where he, he sets a big, old, like, uh, a big old recliner chair on fire, and they push it out the front of the door. And there's, just, <laughs> and there's just like a big old piece of burning furniture out there, and that's one of the things they use to stave off the zombies. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. That's so great. Uh, all right, Night of the Living Dead. Kelly Wand, awesome pick. That's my number one pick for a scientific discovery. Uh, sometimes you don't need a lot of information. Just sort of fumble around at some vaguely scientific-sounding thing, and that's horror for you. That yes. Pick a planet. Pick a planet. Pick a cosmic it. effect. The word probe. Some space kind of thing. Yeah. Chernobyl. Venus. <laughs> Ding. Dingus, what is your number one pick for an awesome scientific explanation? All right, well, if yours is uh, vaguely fumbling, mine would be the opposite of that. Mm. So oh, yeah. uh, here's, a, here's a quote from it. Mm-hmm. Wait, go ahead, Kelly, what? No, no, no. I'll be quiet. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'll try. All right, here's a quote. Power is everything. We've got to get them down to 12 amps. Star Trek II, Rathacon. Scott Pilgrim. You, I I entertain the idea of, of picking Star Trek II, but I thought that would be too obvious. Well, it's, I think it's just not science. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It is science. The, what do you think the Genesis device is? Uh, Deus Ex Machina for two movies. <laughs> and a MacGuffin. Uh, we've got to get the power down to 12 amps. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Another All right, here's another quote. Okay. Well, I suggest you gentlemen invent a way to put a square peg in a round hole. Ah, yeah. good one. Good one. like it. I like this movie. Dingus wins. Dingus picks the best movies. Tom and I pick a bunch of dumb bullshit. Why is... Wait a minute. What Night of the Living Dead is dumb BS? What are you talking about? Why are well, you, no, you turning no. on it? No, no, it's fine. I take Alien? That. Alien isn't awesome? Armageddon? Isn't that awesome? Armageddon? No, that's not awesome. I was just Teenage Werewolf? Come on. Okay, I take it all back. <laughs> I hate you, Dingus. Your list is awful. What have, you, what have you picked? I don't know this square peg in a round hole movie that you're talking about. Apollo 18. JK. Wouldn't it be funny if that was... <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> oh, Tom Hanks is all. Well, I guess in a way, I'm glad I didn't land there because the fucking spiders. <laughs> that's how Tom Hanks talks. That's that is. Fun. That's a good Tom Hanks impression. I like you, Kel. Any little voices I do. All right, so this is Apollo 13. Kelly Wan is absolutely correct. Directed by our friend Ron Howard. Um, and I just love the uh, the uh, scientific explanations in this. Uh, in a particular. Um, uh, well, I include the one about the CO2 scrubber, the round peg in a, in a square hole, or a square peg in a round hole, whatever it is. Um, because when I when I watched this movie, I just loved the fact that it was doing mathematical equations and scientific explanations, and totally I was sucked in and I felt on the edge of my seat while I was being explained all these things. Um, you know, whereas, like, in Star Trek Four, we're talking about slingshot around the sun, this movie was talking about return trajectories and and the different ways that you would have to do that. Uh, one of my favorite moments in this movie, though, is is this actor Lauren Dean, who uh, who plays John Aaron, I think, uh, talking to them about power and how they have to cut off all the power and they have to reduce the power to twelve amps, or they're just not going to make it back. They're not going to be able to communicate. Power is everything. So um, I would 
I would, if you want one particular scientific explanation, it's that. But overall, I just love the scientific explanations in this movie and how Ron Howard makes it makes it suspenseful. Kelly Wand, I don't know if you noticed this. All of Dingus's picks use actual science. Our picks are like all fake science. Yeah, Dingus sucks. <laughs> uh, he also Dingus- picked uh, like highfalutin movies. Because they're real science, yeah. They're yeah. Deep Blue Those Sea. Those the only movies Dingus. Well, Deep Blue Sea. I mean, sharks. Sharks are super good at not getting cancer. That's real science. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I mean, that's true. Uh, in the abyss, you really can. There is that. You really that can fluid. eat aliens if you could just keep sinking. <laughs> there really is that fluid that you can put in your lungs and get and still get oxygen oh. in your system. And oh. Apollo thirteen, there are actual amps on a spaceship. So, true. Dingus is right. I just love that mental image of the young dopey scientist sitting in the background where everybody's arguing and he's doing calculations and that's who Lauren Dean plays. He's sitting in the background and he's trying to figure things out and nobody's listening to him because he's the new guy. And I and I was just I was trying to think of uh, movies where there's diagrams of things going on and uh, like Apollo Armageddon. 13. Yeah, well, like Armageddon exactly. Apollo 13 gets a lot of crap because it's Ron Howard. Um, no, it's good. I agree with you. But but I love the movie. I love it's, Apollo. It's a suspenseful movie about engineering puzzles. Right, right. Which Uh, which Tom should like, because he's a games nerd, I think is the jargon I'm looking for. So my touchstone for Apollo 13, isn't Kevin Bacon in that? Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I have a Kevin Bacon number of one, because of Apollo 13. I'm not in it, because that would be a Kevin Bacon number of zero. I was in a movie, I was in a something that Bill Paxton was in, and Bill Paxton is in Apollo 13 with Kevin Bacon, therefore, I have a Bacon number of one. So, there so you your, your uh, Paxton number is zero. It, that's correct. My Paxton number is zero. Yeah. Were you in Weird Science as one of the bullies? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, my, my Rob Lowe number, it's also zero. Just so From you know. Your no. raw what number? <laughs> How dare you. Uh, all right, so Apollo 13, very good. My number one, we all know, Night of the Living Dead. Kelly Wan, that leaves you. What? Uh, I don't are... like... Oh, you don't like your number one pick? But it's well, I don't like going pick. last, because it sounds like it'd be some exciting. I could say this number one. This should be the uh, the the pinnacle of our choices. It's, it's all down to you, Kelly Wan. It's got to be right. awesome. It's got to be well, I'll just try to rush us through it so we can get on to the uh, alternates, which are kind of oh. better than but All right, what do you got? Remember that movie I was gibbering about, like an animal that one time called Inframan that came out in 75? Vaguely. It's about that Japanese dude who shoots rays from his right. chest. Does he cross his favorite arms? robots? Yeah, yeah. Wait, well, he's not a robot. He's an Inframan. All right. Yeah, he's Dingus. Right. He works for I science. He, I thought he chose it for favorite robots or something. No, I might have picked his friend. But anyway, in science headquarters... And they're tell- they're going to make him Inframan. The professor's all, all right, we're going to wire your arms and legs with powerful transistors and death rays. You will be powered by a tiny nuclear reactor. Unfortunately, the operation will be very painful and you may die. And then he does it. And then also uh, a volcano opens and destroys Hong Kong, like in Battleship. And they that guy, the professor, goes to the UN, and he's all, the situation's so bad, it's the worst that's ever been seen. So that's kind of good. Inframan. That's my list. Fuck you all! <laughs> uh, runners up. I, I, I didn't have any runners up, because I, I mean, I could think of crappy 
scientific explanations, but I actually enjoyed the ones in my list. Uh, so I didn't have uh, maybe sunshine. Doesn't sunshine have a cool have some cool science stuff like with that oxygen garden? That um, oh, who's the woman who tends the oxygen garden in sunshine? I love her uh, from from Michelle, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Michelle Yeoh. Oh God, I love her. Oh, I so love her. She's uh, awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. So isn't it cool? Science in sunshine. Yeah, I should rewatch that. Uh, all right, what other runners up do you guys have? I had uh, the core where he sprays that orange with the aerosol can to explain to the audience uh, the concept of why we should give a shit that we have a core. Because the, the the core of the Earth has stopped spinning, and therefore people's pacemakers don't work. Yeah, but they they don't get that. So he he has to show them. So he goes, "Anybody have an orange?" And then he like spray paints the orange, or no, shoots it with. Uh, Aerosol can. Do I know? Is this Stanley Tucci or Bruce Greenwood? Don't patronize or, me. Or Hillary Swank. It could have been Hillary. That's Aaron Eckhart, the star of the movie. Ah, Aaron Eckhart. Yes, he's the smart one. <laughs> no, I think that's Thomas Jane. <laughs> and also, I wanted to use that movie Silent Rage, that Chuck Norris movie, where they inject that dude. Ron Silver does, and he just has to keep killing him over and over for the whole movie. Do you remember that one? Am I the only one who's seen Chuck Norris movie? That sounds awesome. Like he's like zombie? Yeah. Ron Silver is the zombie? No, he's a scientist. He's all, this is too, we shouldn't be messing with mysteries. We shouldn't be playing God. He's a bad guy. He's the we shouldn't be playing God character. It's called Tampering in God's Domain, Kelly Wand. All right, Mr. Theology. Also, uh, <laughs> chain reaction. Isn't, isn't that Bride of the Monster, the whole Tampering in God's Domain line? Isn't that the very... It's every one of them. Yeah. Uh, and what was the other one? I'm sorry. Is God's domain science, then? That's what I don't fucking understand. But anyway, uh, Chain Reaction, Keanu Reeves is the scientist. Mm-hmm. And there's, remember, there's one line where somebody goes, with, with, what, in, with what's in Keanu Reeves' brain, a glass of water could power Chicago for weeks. What? That's supposed to make, oh, we got to kill So Keanu guy. Reeves' brain plus a glass of water is enough? No, you don't even need his brain. So just the glass of water? Yeah. Well, yeah, you need his brain, I guess. <laughs> Wait, so he plays a battery in two movies? <laughs> he turns this into this. So nobody picked the uh, Matrix, scientific explanation for the machines rising up and podding all of humanity. huh? Nobody picked Is that. that. Supposed to, does that count as science? Uh, that's how they explain it, yeah. It's science. It's a science fact. It's as much science as Teen Wolf that you picked. What about when in Zardoz, the giant head goes, uh, the penis is evil, the penis shoots seeds? That's that science. That's science. That's biology. Yeah. Yeah. So is any, any runners-up from you? Uh, other than the Metachlorians? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, does, uh, why does Tom Cruise's car work in War of the Worlds again? Because solenoid. Solenoid! Solenoid. So, but wait, if the solenoid wasn't, if it wasn't in a car, it wouldn't get burned out? Was that the idea? Yeah, because of the EMP. Right, but why wouldn't the EMP just burn the solenoids out of a solenoid? All the other solenoids, too. Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Like, why does that one solenoid not, I don't understand, I still don't. Why does Tom Cruise, how come he's the only one, like, he, the the guy's a mechanic, but Tom Cruise knows more about cars than that guy. Oh, gee. Well, he has a, he has a dismantled engine in his living room, so they have established that Tom Cruise knows cars. That would be, that, to me, that's a sign that he's a shitty mechanic, because it should be in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Not on the dinner table. Very good. 
See what I did there? Uh, I'm I'm always fond. I'll make of, a better father. And I'm always fond of whatever photon milk is supposed to be in Minority Report. That's the stuff that is it. Samantha Morton, who's the oh the stuff she's in the yeah that's photon milk. I don't know what that means, but I, I like saying that. Uh, Nano Meds from the Ang Lee Hulk. By the way, it's another fun one. Uh, Science Kelly Wand. What about the Event Horizon uh, thing? In Black year. Hole. In the Black Hole. Disney's The Black Hole. Oh, that's a good one. You know what? I want to see that again. I actually meant, I thought it would be on Netflix Instinct Watch, but uh, for, I got it. Oh, it was after I sat through that awful 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea thing. I was like, Dad Gummit, I want to watch some good Disney adventure. I'm going to watch Black Hole now, and it, it's not Instant <laughs> Video. That's the first one that came to mind. <laughs> I, I want to watch a classic from the golden age of Disney. Black Hole. <laughs> it did. It did. Yeah. Maybe Hops. Is that Disney? There's <laughs> the explanation of cloning in Jurassic Park. I'm in a Mata, treasure Matacumbe mood. No no-mobile. This is my weekend. I don't know what you're saying, Kelly. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, what are we going to do next week for a three by three dingus? What do you got for us? The black hole. <laughs> Your favorite moments from the black hole. Oh, yes. Awesome. Uh, when they meet the cowboy robot and they become friends. Kind of... <laughs> all right. The actual one is your favorite courtroom moments. Hmm. Wow. We have not done courtroom. I guess. Think it's nice work. Uh, what's off of the table? Nothing. What's out of order? <laughs> You're out of order. Out of order. I thought oh. we're all out of order. The whole podcast is out of order. That's how uh, we. That's how he wins that case by screaming at the judge. All right, you win. Good point. We're all out of order. So this week was science. Next week is law. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Favorite courtroom moments. All right, yeah, the wheels are turning. I'm coming up with some stuff already. Nice work, Dingus. I can't believe nobody's thought of that one before. Good. Uh, let's also see, which we could have seen this week, but wasn't in Vancouver. We will see Moonrise Kingdom or Kingdoms? Is it just one kingdom? It's Moonrise's Kingdom. Moonrise's Kingdom. Before that, though, uh, Dingus, should folks go see Men in Black 3? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the answer to that question? The answer to that question is no. Mm. Unless you need a nap. If you need a nap, you should definitely go see it. Is it shittier than the second one? I don't remember. The thing is about the Men in Black movies, after I leave them, I almost never remember a thing about them. They've been neuralized. Yeah, it's probably because I've been neuralized or because they're kind of like a laxative. Now, Dingus, there are there are some actors who I would want to be supportive of, like Jermaine Clement, the guy from Flight of the Concords, and Michael Stuhlbarg from Serious Man. There there are some actors in Men in, and Josh Brolin, of course, in Men in Black Three. Do they make it worth seeing? Is there anything you can recommend there? Michael Stuhlbarg uh, is starting to feel like he's vying for um, national treasure status because he makes this movie worth at least if you have to go it's worth sitting there he's great uh, i loved him i loved the character he made i didn't realize it was him for most of the movie i loved him so is much. he under a bunch of cg or something why did you not realize it was him or i just didn't recognize him he's just okay. he just looks like he, he's just playing a character he's not under a bunch of makeup or cg he just does a great job I and mean, the, the movie is just uh, uh it's just so tired it just, it's tired. That's what it's Tommy like Lee watching, Jones. 
Yeah. It's like watching a cartoon. The the makeup is horrible. The sound is even bad at the beginning. And you're thinking, what? This is what they spent this money on? I mean, Jermaine Clement is fine, but he only gets to do a couple of things. He snarls and yells. Um, uh, there's really... I just thought it was just... Yeah, but other people liked it. I just didn't care for it. What do you mean was, other people liked it? Who, yeah, what kind what of disclaimer? <laughs> my friend Daniel and my wife, Wendy, liked it. Uh, I couldn't... I, I just couldn't even stay awake for it. Dingus, just it so just, you know... It looks, like a bunch of, uh, it looks like a bunch of cartoon stuff that's, n- that's not better than Roger Rabbit cartoon stuff. I mean, I don't believe a thing that's going on, and it's not just the not-believe stuff, because I love animation. I mean, WALL-E and Up sucked me in, but this is just... And I even think Will Smith is horrible in it. I don't understand what the hell's going on here, but but Michael Stuhlbarg is wonderful. He's just wonderful. Well, Dingus, I just want to say $55 million. Uh, opening uh, that's not that much. No, nice rebuttal. Rebuttal. <laughs> it's actually not that much. It's a, it's a fairly disappointing... I, I don't think it's going to do very well. For Wait, them. it made 55 It beat Avengers. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah, a movie Avengers that's finally... Three uns- fucking, yeah. Four, yeah. In his fourth week, Avengers finally uh, fell to second place. Um, What's Avengers at? It was second place. I think it made another. I want to say thirty million this week. Uh, how much is it at total? Oh, Rick all Rick. all the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had to buy uh, another Monopoly is, set. Emma Thompson is hot. What the hell? Who is Emma Thompson? What? Dingus? No, she's not. She just looks good. She's know. in Men in Black Three. Yeah, I think does. Dingus is talking about the '60s version of Emma Thompson. <laughs> no, actually, um, the the girl who plays her, Alice Eve, was the the ingenue in The Raven, um, and she's just okay. I mean, she's no Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin does a nice job of aping Tommy Lee Jones, but uh, Alice Eve is just okay. But uh, but I I wish they would have done some weird mind bending thing of just having Emma Thompson play both parts because because she was she's she looks great. What the hell? Good for her. All right. Wow. So the so the two greatest things in Men in Black Three, according to Dingus, are Emma Thompson and Michael Stuhlberg. <laughs> so I make sure I understand. Yep. Okay. Yep, you pretty much got Everything it. else waste your time. You can zone out during all the scenes without those two. Fifteenth build. Uh, Kelly, what? Uh, I certainly believe that because I I think that I've just lost all patience for most time travel bullshit. What? Come hey, on. hold on, Dingus. Uh, Ryan That's... Johnson. Ryan Johnson has something to say about that later this year, I think. All right, well, we'll see what he has to say, because I think it's the uh, the refuge of lazy screenwriters. Wow. Yeah, that's harsh. You better go back in time and take that back, or they'll uh, blah, 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 <laughs> words, jokes. <laughs> Kelly, how, how's tricks in Canada these days? Anything uh, notable happening up there? Maybe an anecdote you might share with us? Oh, can I antidote? <laughs> right, rock and roll. Uh, there's this little cleaning lady, this little Chinese lady who comes in and cleans my office for me. She's not like that. She actually cleans it. And then, uh, she was out for four days and she came back and I went, Oh, you're back. And she went, yes. And I go, how are you? And she goes, I've been really sick. And I go, Oh, for four days. She goes, yes, very sick. And I go with what? And she goes, vertigo. (laughs) <laughs> and you said strangers on a train. Yeah, I said, hey, did you know Dingus thinks that Michael Stuhlberg is the greatest thing? <laughs> uh, all right, so if you're up in Vancouver, beware the vertigo. It's going around. 
next week we will see Moonray's Kingdom or Kingdoms, whichever uh, you prefer. And we will be here with our three by three of our favorite courtroom scenes. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Mar- Marlowski. It's Christian Marlowski. Kelly Wand. I guess it wasn't really Canadian related. I didn't know Tom sang. And dance. But this is actual. This is actual Ukrainian pop music. I'll have you know. Was this the wow. song you sang in the movie you made with uh, Stephen Baldwin? You're just talking about. <laughs> My Stephen Baldwin number is probably pretty high. I've never been in a movie. Oh, with Stephen Baldwin. I've been pretty high. Right? No, I was in a I was in a crappy little uh, western with them many what? years ago. But uh, yeah, so if you ever were to rent a movie called Frank and Jesse, in which Rob Lowe plays Jesse James, uh, you'll see me as a bounty hunter. Huh. True story. So you're like the boss yeah. of the Jesse James. When you I'm said Frank and Jesse, it sounded like Frankenstein. Frank and Jesse. <laughs> Frank and Jesse. I like that about an undead Jesse James. Made out of two different rocks. Yeah, his flesh is reanimated. Yeah. Uh, right. But it also Frank made me think of I the see- fact that Benedict Cumberbatch is in a stage version of Frankenstein right now. What? Why is he redoing every... Uh, Both. Is Jeremy Renner going to take over for Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys. Well, we learned a lot tonight. Dingus thoughts. (laughs) It's creepy when you look at me like that, dude.